Welcome everybody, old and new, to my second episode of In the Aisle. My name is Christina and I'm your host today. And I am so excited to say that this is the official launching of this podcast, which um, is something that I cannot believe is here. It's been I've been spending a lot of time on this and crafting this project and really turning it into something that I am really excited to put out there for everyone to listen to. So whether you have checked out my trailers, seen my episodes last week, um, or this is the first time that you're checking this out, welcome everybody. Um, again, so excited for everyone to be here and listening to this. I decided to just give um, a quick little overview of me for those who maybe haven't checked out the trailers that I have. Um, though I do definitely recommend so you get to little you get to learn a little bit more about me as your host. Um, but I'm somebody who I have my bachelor's in politics and communication, and I definitely don't consider myself to be an expert um, on things uh, having to do with politics and government. However, I've spent about six years or so, which is so crazy to think about, um, being personally involved and invested in it. And from my experiences, whether that would be on campaigns or working, for example, in the senator's office, um, have really just helped me to um, grow my expertise and knowledge in these areas. And it has made me um, dedicated to informing others, too, who might just be starting out um, and wanting to know more about politics and how our government operates. Um, and also, too, talking and informing people who do have that political background. So um, if you fall into any of those two categories or somewhere in between, you are in the right place. I promise you this is going to be really, um, it's going to be fun, <laughs> as fun as I can make it, um, and exciting to learn about what's going on right now in D.C., making sense of it all. What you can expect from this episode and future podcast episodes is really just plain and simple. I'm going to break this up into five different segments, the first being a weekly recap of things that have gone on with the presidency and politics down in D.C., and then second segment will be, of course, to analyze that and really explain to you why you should care, <laughs> first and foremost, I think that's the most important thing, um, why this pertains to you and why um, you should be paying attention to it. And the third thing I would be doing with my third segment would be, of course, to analyze a piece of that in depth. And this week in particular, it's going to be the impeachment because it's something that is coming and we're definitely going to have to pay attention to it as it unfolds. I'll move on from there to some positive political news that I have um, heard about or researched over this past week and end, of course, with my final thoughts on what you can expect for weeks to come. And as this is only my second episode for this podcast, um, this might change in the future. Um, as I as I get feedback from you all and kind of figure out the direction I I really want to take this show in, um, there might maybe some changes with that down the line. But for this episode, that is what you can expect. And um, most importantly, out of all of that, um, I'll be sure to deliver you the facts in an unbiased, nonpartisan way, which is so hard, I think, to get nowadays. And it's something that I'm, the standards I'm going to be holding myself to, for sure, and something that you can expect from me um, with this podcast. Uh, and the thing that I am most excited about this podcast is actually not even going to be in this episode. 
what I am doing after each episode is releasing what I'm calling a mini-sode, where um, I pick things from the week that I can dive into more detail with, um, and also talking about things that either came up from the time of me recording this to the date of release, or things that um, I saw come up but didn't have the time to talk about, um, going over that as well. And so if you're somebody who really wants to know more information, or again, if you have that political background um, and know kind of the base the base stuff for all, for our government and politics, I highly recommend that. And that is something that I, again, am very excited about. And it allows me to even put, to put even more of my personality into that. Um, and I thought last week's mini-sode, if you haven't checked it out and would like to after this, I recommend as well. Um, I went to a lot of detail about COVID and um, some executive orders coming from the Biden administration that are definitely worth um, paying attention to. All right, let's kick things off with, of course, your weekly news recap. Um, There are three things I'm going to go over in this that I think the most important things that you all should know. First and foremost, we're going to talk about impeachment. Um, Again, as I said in the previous episode, I released um, and in my mini-sode, um, it's inevitable, right? We're going to have to talk about the impeachment, and we do have some updates on that. And it's also the topic that I'm going to be going into on my deep dive today. So if you're interested in hearing more about that and why um, the impeachment process works as, as it does, um, please stay tuned for that. Definitely not going to want to miss it. I'm also going to talk about some more executive orders that Biden has issued and, of course, stuff about the stimulus because that uh, could directly affect you, of course, um, depending on if you qualify. Okay, so, of course, let's let's launch right into the impeachment news. Basically, we've just been getting a bunch of updates this whole week and each day I feel like I'm learning something new about what this trial is going to look like um, in a week or two, but we have learned that, um, the Supreme Court justice, the chief justice, I should say, um, Roberts is not going to be presiding over the trial. Um, just to give you some context now, usually it is the chief Supreme Court justice that presides over impeachment hearings. Um, but since Trump is no longer in office, there are different rules that we have to follow that I'll talk about a little bit later. Instead, we're going to have the Senate pro tempore, um, which in this case is Democratic Senator um, Patrick Leahy from Vermont, who would be be presiding over this impeachment um, hearing. And what you need to know about Senate pro tempore, I know it sounds like a really like fancy name, but basically it's just second to the VP in the Senate. Because as we um, know or you may not know, the vice president is the one who um, presides over the Senate. Um, so um, in this case, she picked um, or selected somebody to be her second for the times that she can't be in the Senate. Um, usually the Senate does vote on this. It's not that she could just pick somebody, um, but she does. She did nominate Patrick Leahy in this case. So he is Senate pro tempore and will be um, presiding over the impeachment hearing that's going to be happening in a week or two. The last thing that is worth knowing about the impeachment for now is that that guy, um, Pat Leahy, that I was talking about, the Senate pro tempore, was unfortunately hospitalized this week and is now um, recuperating at home. Not a lot has been told to us about why this happened, but I mean, 
man's 80. So, I mean, put that into perspective. He's older or the same age as the movie Dumbo. So, I mean, this isn't totally out of the ordinary. It isn't like he, um, he even has COVID. We have no idea of that. Um, but this might impact the impeachment because if he's not well enough to preside over, um, the trial in about like a week or two time, then we might see a replacement. But as of right now, um, he is still set to preside and he's hope he's hoping to get better, um, and be able to do that in Washington. Next, I'm going to, again, like I said, talking about the executive orders that Biden has now signed in. Biden has reinstated a lot of travel restrictions for COVID that um, Trump lifted in his last week of office. So, for example, um, like he lifted um, travel bans for the United Kingdom in Brazil, but Biden has put these bans back in place. So no surprise. Um, Definitely would, again, see him doing that. Um, especially with how bad everything is right now with COVID. And secondly, which is the, I would say the most exciting out of the two naturally would be, um, Biden lifted the transgender ban in the military. Um, and he did this on Monday again by executive order, which is so fantastic. I was so happy to see that. Um, but not, not, not getting into it too much. I'm going to say that for my news analysis, which is coming up very soon in the next segment. But all you need to know right now for information about that um, is that basically Trump placed his ban back in 2017, um, basically his first year in office, um, putting a ban on transgender individuals entering um, the military and serving your country. And it was something under Obama's um, presidency that he actually um, made it so that transgender um, people, if they want to serve in the military, they are more than welcome to do that. Um, so again, it's just kind of overturning things um, that Trump has put in place is really what the executive orders did this week. The last piece of news that you should know from this week has to do with, of course, the stimulus check that I mentioned previously. Um, basically, what's happening right now in the Senate, um, you have a group of uh, like a bipartisan group coming together. And for those of you who don't know what being bipartisan means, um, it basically is just like Democrats and Republicans working together on one issue and like putting party aside to so that they can work together, um, which we don't see a lot of anymore. And you'd be hard pressed to find um, any of that, I think, down the line as well, unfortunately. But in this case, we do have bipartisan support um, for reevaluating the stimulus check. What Biden is hoping to do is release another $2,000 stimulus check to um American households that have been able to qualify for the original stimulus um, check we had a few weeks ago, and of course the one we had at the very beginning of the pandemic. There are some senators right now who, again, are in that bipartisan group who do not believe that we need to release another stimulus be just because we we just um, passed like a budget recently or like a, this whole spending bill and. They haven't even really crunched the numbers on that, have gone through the full amount of that, and that's where um, the next stimulus is coming from. So the main goal is to basically talk with Biden, like this this group of senators and Biden, um, to figure out where um, they can kind of meet each other in the middle and seeing where um, the stimulus check um, and how that can be delivered to American households that need it. 
Uh, again, I'm going to go more into this a little bit later, but that those are the facts of what you need to know. Um, Biden had a meeting set up with them this week and where they just talked it out further and hopefully they can come to a um, decision together so that there, uh, more relief money can be sent out to the people who need it right now um, with the pandemic. We are now entering the uh, news analysis segment for this week. So let's start, of course, with the impeachment. Now, what you need to know after what we've heard this week um, is that it's it's become very clear in the Senate that not a lot of Republicans are going to be supporting um, the vote to um, convict the president. And... It's, it's ironic because a lot of these Republicans did, in fact, say that they or they basically denounced the president, right, for, for that insurrection, that domestic terrorist attack that happened um, a few weeks ago. And now you're seeing them go back on their word a little bit. And when I look at something like that and I see that, a few things pop into my mind. The first and foremost being they're scared. There are people who genuinely meant what they said back when the insurrection happened and seen the violence that have ensued and um, might have constituents who would give them a really hard time or be violent if they don't vote a certain way. So they're just deciding that in this case, you know, unfortunately, they're going to have to not vote to convict, even if they personally believe it. So that's the first thing. Um, I also, it is worth pointing out that this is something that I don't think is for a lot of Republicans right now. And the reason why I say that is because, like, looking back um, at, like, how some of these Republicans have voted or what they said about um, the president or the insurrection, um, it in some cases, it got them really negative backlash by willing to, to upset their constituents a little bit if they are voting to convict. So I think using fear as um, a reason, while I I completely understand where they're coming from, like, of course, they, their lives might be threatened if, believe it or not, if, this, if they don't vote the right way. There's a lot of crazy people out there, and we definitely saw that a few weeks ago with that attack. Um, it, 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 to me, just seems... Like there's there there has to be more there. Like fear cannot be the only thing that is pushing um, all of these Republicans to not vote for um, conviction, which leads me to um, a second point: is that some of them just genuinely love the president and have always loved the president, and they've never denounced him, um, or maybe publicly denounced him, but secretly are big fans of him. Like Ted Cruz, for example, would say falls in this category. And meanwhile, um, I would say someone like Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham falls in the first category, potentially of being scared and being wishy-washy and going back on their word. Um, so I'd say that would definitely be reason number two. And um, my opinion, reason number three, why Republicans might not vote to convict, because they just don't want to create more work for themselves. And when I say that, I'm not saying like for themselves personally, but like as a body in the Senate, like as a congressperson, like for our government, like voting to convict, which I'm going to talk about in the deep dive next segment, can do a lot of damage, even more so than what the insurrection and 
to be honest, Trump's presidency did to this country. Um, so there are a lot of reasons there. Um, that being said, there are still five, like um, Mitt Romney, for example, is one of the Republican senators who said he would vote to convict. Susan Collins of Maine um, also said this, and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, though so just a few examples out of the five, said they would vote to convict. The interesting thing to note, though, is that none of those Republicans are, um, and they they don't they just don't think that even if even if voting with the Democrats, like they're they're sticking to their moral ground, um, it's not going to make a difference, right? Because you need they're not going to be able to reach the threshold in order to vote to convict the president. So if I'm making a prediction, I and it kills me to say this because I wish it would be different, unfortunately, I don't see think we're going to see a conviction out of the Senate, which, again, I'll talk about in the next segment a lot more. Because I'm sure you have questions about how this works and behind-the-scenes things, of course. So I'm definitely going to be addressing those in this next segment. Now, in terms of the executive orders that we saw from Biden this week, specifically with the transgender um, ban being lifted, um, I think that that is a really, that is a great tone that he's he's setting for his administration. I mean, as I said in a previous episode, he is the most diverse cabinet and people surrounding him out of any president in U.S. history. So I think he's really going to be sticking true to that throughout his four years, which um, is really exciting to see. Because personally, I believe that diversity strengthens us and um, isn't, Use as it should not be used as a tool to divide us, but definitely seeing him do that and in, in, in action is um, really really satisfying. And I'm sure a lot of people are we're really happy to see that. You might have been one of those people, but I would say like in general, from the the feedback that Biden has gotten from people, like even within the government, like the Pentagon specifically, like everyone is it, for the most part is is stoked. Because when this ban first came out, like, it came out in a tweet, like, with Trump in 2017. Like, he didn't even inform people at the Capitol that he was doing this. Like, they literally found it. Most of them found out via tweet that this ban was going to be put in place. Um, which is insane. Like, that 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 is how these high-level officials found out. And, like, in on their social media and on Twitter specifically. Like, that 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 is insane. Like, Trump didn't even send a memo, really. Um, but the way I look at it now, that if, a, if someone who is transgender wants to serve our country and serve in the military, especially after the fact that we have people in this country who actively try to um, discriminate against them, hate on them, and basically try to make their lives a living hell, and like they still want to protect us in this country, like I just don't understand why you would, why you would stop somebody from if they're showing that much dedication and love for this country, especially, like I said, a country that unfortunately has a ton of people who actively hate them and hate their existence. Like at this point, if they're willing to to fight for this country, um, <laughs> like that's that to me is just showing a lot of commitment and a lot of grit that um, an, an average recruit might not necessarily have to show right off the bat by just they could like if I if I wanted to I could just enlist I wouldn't have to worry about um being denied based off of anything about me as a person um and it's also important to note that they're still having to hit the same requirements like everyone else like they're not just 
being like swept into the military. If um, I know some, there are some arguments that they'd be giving special treatment. I don't think that's the case at all. It's in fact they're just being treated like any other recruit, and that is I'm, I I can't speak on behalf of transgender people and what they go through, but I think that it's really great that there there is some um, level of um, I wouldn't call it equality, but being treated the same. Um, has other recruits in this situation. Like if they can do all the physical stuff and can keep up, why can't they serve? Um, which I'm sure is what Biden and his team were thinking and reversing that ban. So again, I, that was something really exciting to see. And I really think we're going to continue to see stuff like this, which is really exciting for um, people all over this country. It doesn't matter who you are. The last thing to analyze before we move into the uh, deep dive for the next segment is, of course, the stimulus check um, debacle, we'll call it. Basically, the overview I gave is is pretty much all you need to know. The only um, thing that I think worth talking about here is actually that bipartisan um, effort in the Senate. Basically, what is, um, you, you might be asking, what what is uniting <laughs> The Democrats and the Republicans, because um, I know it's no surprise and doesn't matter how much you know about politics. Um, it's very clear that the two sides are having a very hard time working together. But in this case, the senators are agreeing with one another because they basically are nervous about sending another stimulus check. Even some Democrats, like you may be surprised, are in this boat. And it's not that they don't want people to get it. It's just the dollar amount and how much money that has been spent on it so far and um, how much, how many more of these checks we're going to have down the line is basically what um, is uniting these two parties and common ground and trying to figure out the best solution for um, this country and of course the budget of uh, this country as well. And also these senators are hoping to find a way to make sure that the checks get to people who actually um, need them is essentially what it is. And for some people, this is going to be great because it's not going to affect them and it's going to get the money to the people who are really being impacted by the pandemic, whether that be from like a job loss or, um, you know, just not having extra income to to pay for things like groceries and things like that. Um but that could really impact, unfortunately, the people like your middle class Americans who like are technically making enough on paper, but have a lot of expenses still and could benefit from that $2,000 stimulus check. I'm sure we're going to hear more about this, but the news this week was really dominated by like obviously the impeachment and um, other things going on in the Biden administration. So that is really all you need to know. Um, in regards to that, just like analyzing this, um, sometimes money can be a thing that unites people, right? I think that's what we're seeing with these Democrats and Republicans. Um, I'm really hoping that these, these the ones who are involved in this can continue to work together on this in the future and on other things, because I think we all could use a healthy dose of bipartisanship right now. And when it comes to Congress, and it'll be interesting to see if this impacts any further legislation down the line. Okay, now we're going to move on into this next segment that I have deemed uh, the Democracy Deep Dive, or you'll hear me refer to it as D-cubed for short, <laughs> just because it, it can be a mouthful. Um, 
quickly before I move on into that, um, definitely want to point out that some of these things in my news analysis, again, are going to be my mini So if you would like to learn more um, or thought that you, there was more that I could have said, don't worry, <laughs> it's coming. It's definitely coming. I just wanted to save that for my mini Without further ado, let's jump right into Decubed today. Now, before I break down the impeachment, it's important to note that only four impeachments have ever happened in U.S. history, um, and two of those have appeared with President or former President Trump. The other two were with Andrew Johnson and Bill Clinton. And for those thinking that I forgot to mention Nixon, um, he was actually never put through an impeachment trial because he um, simply left the presidency before that would happen. Um, and where that, if he were living today, especially um, in the time now, he probably still would have been put through impeachment like we're seeing with Trump. Um, but yeah, just, just to make that clear and out of the way, um, just because this is something that does not happen very often um, in this country. And the fact that we are seeing two back-to-back um, over the span of a year really is... Um, is, is quite a feat for the American government um, and definitely something worth pointing out. Additionally, from these impeachments, we've never actually seen a president or in this case um, would be former president because Trump is no longer in office, ever reach the threshold in the Senate where they are um, deemed like convicted of their transgressions that they have done. That being said, The impeachment, which this might be a little confusing, um, is not actually a criminal trial. All this does is basically just decide that um, the Senate does decide whether or not the president did the things that the House said that they did in those articles of impeachment. So you might be asking yourself at this point, what even is impeachment? So impeachment is the process in which you is usually a sitting president, but we have special circumstances this year, um, is accused of a wrongdoing. And again, like I said, this is a political trial. This isn't a criminal one. And impeachment is not just for presidents, though it's really the main ones that we remember are from ones of past presidents that we've seen. Um, it can also happen to vice presidents and civil officers. So impeachment basically always begins in the House. And any member of the House can suggest to bring forth a reason for impeachment for any reason they see fit. Um, Usually you don't see members of the House abusing this power. It would have to be something pretty major like the insurrection we saw down in D.C. for someone to bring forth that um, article of impeachment that they would then bring um, in front of the Speaker of the House. Now, the Speaker of the House actually has a lot of power in this because it's up to them to decide whether to go through with an inquiry into the wrongdoing that the member of the House brought forward to them. And so you could have an instance where, like in this case, Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic Speaker of the House, um, if she wasn't in her position and the Republicans had control of the House, if someone brought forth an article of impeachment to the a Republican Speaker of the House, they might they have the power to not go through that inquiry. 
So we might have seen just them basically throwing out any article. However, since, again, Nancy Pelosi is Speaker and she is a Democrat, it was way more likely that these articles were to be um, put through for an inquiry on her end. Once the Speaker puts through the inquiry, um, basically what ends up happening is uh, the evidence gathered from that um, brings forth a debate. And basically you have people in the House who are either debating for the president to be impeached or against their impeachment. And after that debate happens, it's actually, it's really simple. All and all they need to do in order to impeach the president is to get at least 50% of the members of the House to, um, to vote in favor of impeachment. And then it goes to the Senate. So what to, what you need to remember about this is that once the House decides impeachment, right, um, the president can still stay in office. There's no rule saying that they have to leave, which is what we saw um, a year ago when <laughs> President Trump was impeached for the first time. So this basically just establishes, the House establishes that there is enough evidence to um, send over to the Senate after their inquiry of um, the transgressions of the president. Once it gets to the Senate, then um, we see a trial unfold. So it gets a little different and tricky now um, because, again, with President Trump, um, he's been out, he's out of office, right? And he, the only reason why this is able to go through is because these impeachment um, articles were put in like a week or so before he actually left office and before Biden became president. So if a president is still in office while the impeachment proceedings are going on, usually the uh, Supreme, the chief Supreme Court justice um, presides over the hearing. And in order for the Senate to convict, there needs to be at least two thirds of the Senate um, voting yes to convict. So in this case, it would be 67. So since President Trump, oh my goodness, I keep doing that, guys. Former President Trump um, is obviously not in office anymore. Then this is the first time ever for at least a president or former president that we are seeing the Senate pro tempore preside over this hearing. And again, they still need to reach that 67 vote threshold in order to convict. So if... 67 votes are not cast in order um, to decide to convict the president. Then we saw what happened in the beginning of 2020, where nothing really happens to the president. I mean, he remains impeached. That doesn't change. But he still gets to be in office and nothing is really done with them. Basically, the whole point is, if you do reach that 67 threshold, right, and you get those 67 votes, the sole punishment here is basically just to remove the president to, in office immediately. Um, that so that that is why this is a political trial. There's no criminal um, like proceedings that happen with this. However, what can happen is um, after the impeachment trial ends, then then it's up to the government to decide if they want to try and convict the um, the president in question in a criminal criminal trial. And this usually happens at a later date and um, crimes, their crimes would be listed out and be put in front of a jury. This has never happened because like I said, the Senate has never um, vote, voted to convict 
um, a, a president or a former president. And so we really just haven't seen this before. And the likelihood that this will happen to Trump, um, I would uh, I would predict is slimmer than you would think, even with everything going on. So while decubed, of course, is this segment that goes into the really nitty gritty part of our government and politics and helping to explain things to you all. I think it is worth noting in this case what this means for Trump, because this is something that we've never seen before. Um, and this could help set a precedent for future presidents down the line. So let's just go over that really quickly so that you have an idea, especially going into the impeachment trial in the next coming coming weeks. Basically, what Trump did was um, he the House had one article charged against him for um, basically the insurrection. And the Constitution does not allow um, for somebody in office to incite an insurrection or a riot. Um, also, it's really important to point out that he interfered with Georgia elections, um, but no charges were brought up against him for that, even though there, there are, um, is extensive proof with calls that he made to Georgia election officials trying to get them to find about 11,000 votes in that election. So as I said, Trump did break um, break laws in this case. And more importantly, he actually broke the 14th Amendment in the Constitution. And basically, that is what I was saying with, um, the, the, with the insurrection and, and engaging in that. Um, specifically, the 14th Amendment bars anyone holding office from doing that. Um, and additionally, in the Constitution, it says um, treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors will not be tolerated. Um, and so this is kind of open to interpretation that uh, they purposely made it vague, our founding fathers um, and people who are writing, adding amendments to the Constitution for that matter. Um, in this, in cases like these, to be basically taken and um, molded to whatever is happening at the time makes sense for our country. So again, this is that is even more justification to use for these proceedings. Um, but as great as that vagueness is, it's also causing a problem because we don't see impeachments every day, right? Like this is very uncommon. And the fact that we are seeing two again back to back in our lifetimes is again unprecedented, has never happened before. So there isn't a lot for Congress to go off of, and that is why Trump's case in particular is going to set the precedent for years to come, because this is the first time that a president is being put through an impeachment trial after he is no longer in office. So as I said previously, um, again, impeachment is a political trial, not a criminal trial. So then you must be acting, asking yourself, what would that criminal trial look like then if they are convicted in the Senate? So basically in the Constitution, it states that the party convicted, so basically the person convicted, shall nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to law. So basically the Constitution states that, hey, if this person who is supposed to be our commander-in-chief, vice president, etc., um, is breaking the law, basically saying that no one is above the law in this country. It doesn't matter if you're the president or vice president, 
no one is above that. So they are liable to following those laws just like we do as everyday average American citizens. So they should be tried as such if they do end up breaking the law. Um, so that'll be really interesting to see. And I'm not even going to get into the trial and how that would happen because I think the impeachment is something really big and important to focus on now. And of course, we have there's so many other things going on that it's overwhelming even, to, even for me to think about what could happen down the line with that. The last thing you need to know about the impeachment is that if the Senate does vote to indict, um, they can also do other votes in addition to decide things what, like whether or not the president can run for office again. And in these cases, you would just need a simple majority, which would be 51 votes. And in the case that the Senate is, since it is split 50-50 with Democrats and Republicans, if 50 Democrats voted one way and 50 Republicans voted the other way, then our Vice President Her um, Kamala Harris would basically break the tie um, in, the, in that circumstance. And um, in that case, it would usually always go to the Democrats' favor because she is a Democrat herself and will likely vote with Democrats. So overall... Like I said, all you really need to know from, from this and with the impeachment and those extra votes is that it can impact Trump's political career and also um, the ambitions of his family and the people that surround him. If they're able to, let's say, topple this um, mega, mega figure in politics and has been so prominent and has so many supporters, then um, they could very well just completely destroy his political career and make it so that he is no longer in politics. And I know a lot of people would prefer that. However, the one caveat to impeachment and the reason why no former president has ever really been to the point where the Senate has decided to indict them is because it can do irreparable damage to this country. Now, you're probably thinking, we're already so divided. What's the point? Like, well, what what are we even saving here by um, not do not indicting the president? Well, <laughs> in normal times, this is something that would be so di divisive, right? Because you would have people in support of the president on trial, people against it, and people, of course, who want nothing to do with it and don't care. But having um, a president be indicted and be put in jail after going through their criminal trial, I promise you is going to be way worse than you think. It is going to make people not believe in the government anymore, which is already kind of the case that we're seeing right now. Um, and just have an overall bad taste in their mouth when it comes to politics, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But once, once people start not trusting the system in democracy, then things start to topple, which, I mean, we've seen that in the past few months. So we might see a case here where the Senate decides to not vote to indict the president. And again, these are special circumstances. They're, the Senate is so divided right now when it comes to party. There are only five Republicans who really are siding with the Democrats on this. So um, this might have to do more with party and love of Trump than the well-being of this country. But in normal circumstances, senators do have to look to 
like the condition of this country and, and where society is and sometimes have to make that really hard decision of, you know, we know that you did something wrong, but is it worth ripping apart, apart the fabric of this country um, and pinning people against each other just just for you to have the official, you're indicted, now go to your criminal trial. So I know that might be not that might not be something that you necessarily agree with. And I know when I first learned about this in class, I was <laughs> aggravated because I, I am a firm believer of um, justice and making sure that if you do break the law, especially in, in Trump's circumstance, you should be put on a criminal trial. Um, but that, that argument that it could just really rip apart the fabric of this country is something that needs to be considered. Um, and I think that is something that is definitely going to happen in the Senate. I hope that gave you some insight into how the impeachment works and breaks down who's involved in that. Um, and this wraps up the end of D-Cubed for today. Next, we're going to be moving on to my personal favorite part of the show. And that is our positive political news. Because I think now more than ever, of course, we need to be hearing some positive things that are going on in our government um, and things that hopefully might put a smile on your face. I know they did for me. All right. So the first positive uh, piece of political news I have for you guys is kind of on the smaller side, but I thought it was, <laughs> was like ridiculous. Um, so I don't know if you, you knew this, but former President Trump, um, has an affinity for Diet Coke to the point where he actually got a Diet Coke specific button installed in the Oval Office at his desk. Um, and he would press it throughout several times throughout the day and someone, someone would come in with a can of Diet Coke for him. And <laughs> when Biden got to the Oval Office and was sitting down at his desk and he noticed the button, he was so irritated and disgusted that he actually asked someone to uninstall it. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm just picturing it, right? Where like, he's like getting settled in. He's like taking a look around. He's like, oh, I haven't been here in four years since uh, my buddy Obama was in here. And him just like looking down and being like, what the heck is this button for? And someone having to explain to him, oh yeah, no, that's just like our Diet Coke button. Like, and acting like it's completely normal. I could just see him just kind of like, <laughs> like not rolling his eyes, but basically just being like, <sighs> for the love of God, he didn't install a Diet Coke button on this historic desk. So um, yeah, he just, he got that removed. And I can imagine Trump having one person on staff just for the sole reason of getting him Diet Cokes. So I'm sure one person was very unhappy <laughs> in the White House that their, their job and their role has been terminated. But I just thought that was so ridiculous, and I could definitely, <laughs> I could definitely see Biden doing that. The next thing I wanted to talk about is not so much news, but just like personal growth I've seen um, with Dr. Fauci. Like I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but he is so much happier and optimistic now that he's working with the Biden administration. Like. I literally feel like he's like glowing like on TV now. I know it sounds dramatic, but like he literally like looks so much happier. Like he's so much more like positive about this whole COVID thing. 
And I think it's because he's working with an administration that um, is putting it at the forefront of their um, concerns. And even with um, Biden's big plan of ruling out 100 million vaccines in his first 100 days, um, Fauci is very convinced that this can get done as so long as uh, the plan that they created is stuck to um, in making sure that that rollout happens. And just a little background on Dr. Fauci. He is someone who's been advising presidents for years about like diseases and pandemics and whatnot. Like he's studied um, infectious diseases his whole life. And he's really groundbreaking in his field and definitely worth listening to. Um, and I thought this was interesting to point out because I think he's someone who genuinely could care less about politics um, unless that po- the politics itself is what's threatening um, his job or his ability to do his job like we saw with um, Trump. And I think he just wants us all to be healthy and out of this pandemic. And honestly, I'm, I just feel good knowing that Fauci's feeling good. Um, it's, it's, it's honestly just going to help us in the long run. So I'm here for Fauci's glow up. Definitely pay attention to it when you see him next on TV. The last uh, positive piece of political news that I have for you all are, of course, if you haven't guessed it yet, I'd be surprised, are those Bernie Sanders memes. Like, come on. Those are so perfect. I know they started happening last week, like basically after the inauguration. Um, But I didn't have, I felt like the episode last week was a little too long to mention these memes. So I would save it for this week. But if you haven't taken five minutes out of your day to just scroll through those memes, you're missing out. Like those, those on their own just will give you enough serotonin to get through not only your day, but the rest of your week. And people have gotten so creative. Um, and honestly, I just, I, my personal favorite are the ones that like Photoshop him either by buildings that I'm like familiar with in Massachusetts, like the Kowloon, like that was an amazing one to see. Um, someone photoshopped it outside of one of the main buildings on um, my campus, the school I used to go to. Um, but I also love seeing them, him getting photoshopped into like, um, like TV shows and movies and scenes like that. Like they're just so good. So if you're needing a pick me up and you you haven't seen these memes yet, or quite frankly, if you have seen them. Um, there's so many that are coming out each day. I highly recommend it. It's so worth it. Whether or not you like the man, um, <laughs> he, um, he is definitely somebody who is just so iconic and has been a meme basically since 2015. Um, I will say the one other positive piece of this was that, um, the, it was like a, a day or two after the meme of or the picture of him with like the gloves and the mask, um, went viral. He put the put that picture of himself on a sweatshirt and sold it for $45 each. And all of those proceeds went to um, a food bank in Vermont. Like, he didn't profit off of this at all. And he, he took, him and his team took advantage of the fact that he was trending again on the internet and put it towards some good. So I really commend him for doing that. It was really cool to see. Um, and um, honestly, I'm not one to partake in, like, trendy fads and like things like this but I feel like I would have actually really loved to have one of those sweatshirts so if you or anyone you know bought one tell them to hold on to that because I'm sure one day that is going to be very valuable but yeah that that is really all of the political positive news that I have for you guys this week 
I will say I am in the works of booking some interviews for this podcast, which I am extremely excited about. I have some really great people lined up and I'm hope I'm hopeful that I can start those interviews soon so you guys can get to know some of the cool people that I have within my network and in my opinion, some really powerful people um, who are either millennials or Gen Z um, who are going to be powerhouses within our government someday. So definitely stay tuned for that. I just want to take a few moments to just say, if you've made it this far, I am so grateful and for you and I can't thank you enough. This is a product that I was really going back and forth on. I wasn't sure if I should even be making it in the first place, if I had enough to say or enough expertise, so to speak. Um, and not to mention also the idea of recording my voice and like having to listen back to that um, in the editing process was really daunting. But um, I'm really excited for this and I, I'm so excited to see how this grows and for me to grow with this show um, in the future. So again, I again, if you made it this far, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I am so appreciative. Um, that being said, if you like something that you heard today or think somebody else in your life may too, please feel free to share this. Um, definitely think that this has the potential of helping people who maybe want to learn more about politics and just aren't sure how or what what's the best way to go about that. So please feel free to share this like subscribe that whole the whole shebang <laughs> i feel like i'm a youtuber right now just saying that but really um i i'd be honored if, if you'd be willing to do that and also too depending on what platform you're listening to this on i know it's on a bunch right now um feel free to uh to to rate this you know and like leave a comment and um have some feedback that way definitely would appreciate it if you could do that Additionally, like I said at the beginning of the episode, um, I will be releasing a mini-sode that it would be a companion to things that I've talked about today um, that will be available almost always a day after the um, original podcast episodes air. So you can expect this one to come out tomorrow if you're listening to this the day that it comes out. Um, and for those of you who aren't, then the mini-sode should already be out for you. And again, I think those are going to be my favorite part about doing this whole thing because it really allows me to dive deeper into things that I've already talked about and also talk about things that I didn't get a chance to. For example, I'm already planning on talking about COVID more because we there are a lot of updates with that that I weren't um, was not able to fit into this episode. So definitely check that out and be sure to check them out in general um, as they are released by me um, each week. If you have any questions from today's episode or would like to reach out to me, please feel free to do so. I've created an email address that I will be checking for this podcast that you can send anything and everything to. Um, no questions off limits. There's no such thing as a stupid question either. I'm a firm believer in that. So again, any any questions that you have, please send to the email um, that I have, which is in the aisle podcast one at gmail.com. And that is one as in the number one, not one spelt out O-N-E. Finally, let's talk about those final thoughts that I have for this episode. I, it's no surprise what I'm about to say next. Um, the impeachment should be something that you're paying attention to. 
Um, and I know it might seem overwhelming and not particularly exciting, but I promise you this is something, especially since it has never been done before in U.S. history, doing this to somebody who is no longer in office, um, it could really impact our country and American politics and government and things in the future significantly. So that is why it is worth paying attention to, even if you're just reading tweets about it or skimming headlines, just keeping informed with it and keeping um, in tune to what's going on is going to be a major help to you. And of course, I'll be here along the way to help explain those things as they arise. But um, I would say the biggest final thought that I have for today is, of course, that impeachment trial that is starting on February 9th. The last final thought that I have for you all today is actually something that I didn't even really mention in this episode, um, except for by name, and that is Trump. As we get closer to the impeachment trial, pay attention to see if he's coming up at all in the news or if he's um, making any comments, because it has we have seen so far since the inauguration of Biden, he's kind of remained quiet, and it is very strategic that he is acting this way. Um, that I'm going to go over more in the mini-sode. But definitely don't be surprised if he starts to make some ways closer to the impeachment and during the impeachment trial, because we know what he's like, right? Like, we've seen him in the last four years, and of course, as the celebrity that he was before that. So um, his silence right now is not going to last, and it's going to be really interesting to see how he decides to break that as we get closer to the impeachment. This wraps up my second episode of In the Isle. I've been your host, Christina. And for those of you who joined me for the first time this week, uh, I can't wait for you to be joining me again next week. Um, and for those of you who have been here since the first episode, um, I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. And um, will you be joining me again next week?